Welcome back to 808s and Fast Breaks. This is going to be the second part of our Playing It By Ear series, where we run through our bracket of the greatest hip-hop and R&B artists of me and Andy's generation. Um, I'm joined by, by my good friend Andy Cordell. How's it going, Andy? I'm doing good. Doing good. Excited for today's conversation. I think we got a good little thing going with JT and Frank today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely going to be a good one. As Andy said, we're, we're talking Justin Timberlake, and, and we are talking Frank Ocean. Um, and what I think will be uh, a, a pretty a pretty interesting kind of comparison uh, of a couple a couple kind of goaded R&B artists of, of their own respective kind of mini eras, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But before we get into that, is there anything like basketball wise that that you feel like you need to to get off your chest? Uh, I think like we've we've seen a little summer league action now, um, and I don't I don't know I didn't like that. This is just kind of off the top. I didn't I didn't have anything written down or anything. But anything you wanted to to discuss mm-hmm. before we went into the music? Um, I think Keegan Murray is definitely ready for a starting role in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> I like the rookie think, of the year odds on that still. Right, right. I was just thinking, you know, like the odds were so bad and we were thinking, oh, you know, like maybe he's an older player. Maybe he'll like form into more of a role. But whatever role Sacramento gives him, he's clearly going to do two things. He's going to score the ball and he's going to rebound the ball. And that's all I can really ask for from a rookie coming in like, trying to push us to the playoffs. If, like, you really think about it, like, everyone's expectation, including the owners, like, okay, we've got to make the playoffs. Well, then, in a sense, they haven't made any crazy moves. So if Keegan takes you that far, that could be really interesting. No, I definitely agree. Yeah, definitely, like, a team that's trying to make that push in the playoffs, like, if he's good, it's not like they're going to be shutting down their great rookie, you know. They're going to be pushing him and... and kind of riding him along with their other guys to, to hopefully make it into the postseason. Um, so, yeah, like good, good odds on the rookie of the year bet. Maybe that's like a, mm-hmm. a dark horse. I, I've been super surprised. Not I, I'm not going to say surprised. That's the wrong word. I will say I think I may have been uh, a, a little off in my <laughs> evaluation of Jabari over Paolo. I know it's just summer league, but, wow, Paolo looks incredible. Jabari looks really good in his own right. Um, I've been super impressed with uh, his switchability on defense. I think he is going to be able to guard one through five. And the shot, even though it's not falling, it, it looks good. Like I think the only thing I'm not worried about with Jabari Smith is his ability to shoot. So he'll get it down. Um, but yeah, man, Summer League has been pretty fun to watch. Uh, Injury is unfortunate. I wish we got to see more Shaden Sharp and Jaden Ivey, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but let's let's get right into it, um, music-wise. Last week, as you know, we had uh, J. Cole taking the first round in a very, very close margin uh, over Mac Miller. Um, now we're going to be doing Frank versus Justin Timberlake. Let's start with Justin Timberlake as, you know, if we're kind of going in chronological order of when the music came out, like that makes the most sense. Um, and... We'll kind of start with just we're just gonna do solo career here um, for both. We're not gonna talk Odd Future for Frank, and we're not really gonna talk In Sync for Justin Timberlake. So starting with Justified, um, you can kind of 
you know, bleed into wherever you want to go. But what was it like to, to listen to Justin Timberlake for, for the better part of a week? Um, and, and what were your kind of favorite parts? Let's just start there. Um, with listening to Justin, I definitely felt more secure putting him up here with the greats. Uh, I, I think that he was one of the cutoff artists for me where it's like, well, I really do like Justin Timberlake. Can I define him as like a level of greatness, right? And I think with Justified being his first solo project, he did like a really, really good job kind of just coming in and bringing in something fresh, definitely soul-influenced, R&B-influenced. And then... You know, after you move past that and then you go into what I think is the real meat and bones, which is like future sex, love sounds, where I think he took everything that he did right on Justified and kind of kind of made it his own sound with Timbaland kind of like co-producing everything. And I think that's where the rhythm of the music comes from and how I can really appreciate how he defined, you know, radio hits for, you know, a clear amount of time. And it's kind of uncanny how many songs that are popular that Justin had in his first two projects, you know, whether you have Cry Me a River. It's insane, Rock dude. Your Basically Body. the whole first half of Future... Dude, yeah. basically the whole first half of Future Sex Love Sounds is hits and i mean it doesn't it's insane. it doesn't get much better i mean like seriously to have beyonce and your bonus track for until the end of time like people forget how impactful that song is it's like one of the best love songs you know what i mean and it's just like casually he just comes in and he's like a heavy hitter from the start you know like this was very young Justin Timberlake proving himself very like in touch with the ladies I guess it was very promiscuous music in a lot of sense not in a negative way like but it's like no he, he it's like love it's love and breakup music yeah, you for know. sure and I don't know I enjoyed it I enjoyed it at least if we're if we're kind of breaking this down I think the first two projects I really had a great time listening to yeah. Well, um, if you don't mind me asking, too, like, what what was your relationship to Justin Timberlake's music like before doing this exercise, or was it kind of like you didn't really have one, just the hits? Oh, um, I mean, I listened to everything up to the end of the 2020 experience. I always listened to JT when he dropped. Um, I knew of his relevance. I wouldn't say like I'm going around bumping JT all the time, but I I always knew his music. And, um, dude, you're so, so fun. Sorry, dude. I, I always listened to when he dropped his first two albums. One came out when you were five years old, and one came oh, yeah. out when you were not justified. Well, my dad played a lot of Justin Timberlake, <laughs> dude. I'm sorry, that just had me dead. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was six, I was six, and I don't know, I feel pretty good on just listening to him in general like i had a great experience <laughs> sorry i'm just thinking about like five six year old andy like dad did you get the new jt cd 
did. It was big. Oh, that's hilarious. My dad actually really I does. Do, it. I don't <laughs> My dad really does enjoy JT, and he actually bumped all the way up until. Uh, Dude. That's actually fire. Yeah, my dad likes JT. Uh, I don't know. Any, I don't know anyone that doesn't like Justin Timberlake. I'm gonna be honest. Like that was, and that was. I think to go into kind of like my first impressions, like spending a week listening to the music. Like, I I, sh- I share your opinion. I was like, wow, he definitely belongs in the. You know, he belongs in this conversation, in terms of like the dominance of an era. That being one of our categories, that that is clear. Mm-hmm. He owned part of this. Like he owned the mid 2000s. You know. And granted, we were a little, like, a little too young to really, like, understand that or experience it, right? Um, but we can, like, look back on it and kind of remember it and know all the music, right? And when I, like, am, you know, now going back and listening to it, dude, I couldn't help but, like, dance along to a lot of the stuff in my apartment, you know? Like, just kind of, like, groove in as you're doing whatever you're doing. Um, and I think, like, the other the other big part is, like, he just has like an incredibly nice and versatile voice, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what it is, but it's just like it's it's very pleasing to listen to Justin Timberlake kind of like croon. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Mm-hmm. And and that was evident. Like I don't know, songs for me on on Future Sex Love Sounds, especially Ju- Justified, is really really good, but it's. You can tell it's someone's first solo album, you know, if that makes any sense. It's not as polished, like you said. The production varies quite a bit. It's cool. Like, I think uh, there's a couple ones on there where they're produced by, like, the Neptunes and a couple Timbaland tracks, which is really cool. I think Senorita was produced but by the Neptunes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I think that's the one. But stuff like Losing My Way and... Um, Damn Girl with Will I Am love stoned i love like all those kind of like softer groovy kind of tracks that have this uh i don't even know like i'm trying to think what it's drawing as much of it like i guess you know what it is it it has this like latin kind of i think that that's why you feel like dancing a lot of it Mm. is a lot of the guitar feels like very like latin spanish like oh i just kind of want to like groove to this it's nice and justified has a lot of that but then you bring in um super r&b drums like timbaland's presence is like all over it and it has this common theme throughout and i think that's that's something else that that justin timberlake got really really good at like they went in the studio they decided what they wanted to do they had a vision and a direction and they stuck to it you know like these albums after Justified, I don't think the albums have a lot of filler. Even Justified does, I wouldn't say it has filler, it just has songs that aren't as rememberable or don't have as much replay factor. But all of all of Future Sex Love Sounds, you could listen to front to back. All of 2020 Experience, you could listen to front to back. And like, I kind of forgot how much I liked Justin Timberlake with 2020 Experience. Like, that was, mm. like, he was one of my favorite artists in high school. That was one of my favorite albums to come out, like, in all of high school. So I just kind of forgot how much I liked him. It was fun to go back mm. and listen to all of it. You know, it's really cool how you felt like, you know, in a sense, like maybe maybe the music has a slight rhythmic of a Latin influence, right? The way you kind of want to just move and groove. And this is where I want to like talk about like Timbaland just for a second, just to highlight how much of an impact that he had on JT's career. The production 
on Future Sex Love Sounds. If you like really focus in, there are several tracks where Timbaland beatboxing is the rhythm of the bass of the song. And when you hit these little grooves and pockets and you can use your voice, which is the most versatile instrument in the world, to create percussive elements and groove, JT and um, Timbaland like created this perfect combination on this project. You know what I mean? Like that's why like all these songs were on the radio. It was it was super playable. And it's like, I think this is going to be one of the projects, especially Future Sex Love Sounds, more than any other project in his catalog for me, is something that's really going to, like, stand the test of time. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like, it's, it's impactful. Like, we're going to look at that and be like, oh, my God, like, look at what R&B has flourished into. Like, you know, and, like, JT's the perfect role model of someone who like, has an extreme talent, but then finds that thing that makes him JT, right? And that was working with Timbaland and making this amazing music that's just undeniably great. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And, 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 like, to me, like, the way you feel about Future Sex Love Sounds, like, that kind of synergy persists through a 2020 experience. Mm. Um, and it was cool. Like, I, I, went, I went and was reading a lot about the recording of that album because that was not that what not, of course that wasn't like my entry into listening to Justin Timberlake but I think like my most listened to songs um of my life were kind of on that album oh you know? wow uh ones yeah ones like like mirrors strawberry bubblegum spaceship coop tunnel vision pusher love girl like I I really like a lot of those songs I listened to a lot of them like a lot um not just throughout this week, but like when I was younger. Um, and this, just listen to this, like for the recording of 2020 experience, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, this is just from Wikipedia, but 2020 experience was produced in a span of 20 days. Recording sessions for 2020 experience began in the late part of May, first week of June, concluded in July of 2012, blah, 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 blah. And then on Timbaland's relationship with, with Justin Timberlake, their relationship is like a brotherhood. They're just so comfortable with each other, not only as musical friends, but as personal friends that you can get things. Then when you have that, you can get things done in a short period of time. Um, and had Justin Timberlake not been in a couple movies, they probably would have put this album out sooner. Um, and they just have like really <coughs> cool moments like that. What they, they kind of model 2020 experience off like a, a, a soul party sort of album from the sixties or seventies which I think is really, really cool. And that kind of imagery persists throughout, like, his whole tour when he was performing. Like, he was always wearing the suit, right? It had this very um, old-timey feel to it. And a lot of the instruments, you know, the, the full band, it just, it was really, really cool. It had this, like, very succinct theme that they put together very quickly, you know, and really was only possible because of their synergy together, you know? Right. And stuff like that, like those stories, I fucking love. <laughs> I love shit like that, dude. Just like these little kind of tidbits and pockets of, of information that made classic 
works possible. Like that's why art is so cool. Mm. I have a question for you. Now, if we take the 2020 yeah. experience and we consolidate it into one full project, it's like first half, second half, right? How did you feel about the... The second half sucks compared to... The second half sucks okay. compared to the first. Because I was going to say, like, I when you were talking and, like, referring to the 2020 experience, it's like the music for that album definitely didn't have the same impact as, like, when you listened to it for yourself. But I still really enjoyed that album. Um but the second half was absolute garbage, and I thought it's not good. I thought they should have no. It's not he good. He should it's have a never cash, released it. It's a cash grab. I, well, no, there's there's context. There, there's there's context needed there. Um, and this I just remember. So this is like very anecdotal. But um, this album came out in like towards the end, mid to late 2012, right, or 2013, 2013. somewhere around there, right? Mm-hmm. 2013, yeah. Um, this is kind of right right kind of before the actual rise of streaming it had kind of started right you had spotify i don't know if apple music was quite a thing apple music wasn't but like this album yeah yeah, this album got released with like a target promotion i can remember you got bonus tracks from the album if you bought the um if you bought the cd at target specifically Mm. like it's just like this really was like at least for me I remember this as like one of the last albums before, like before music kind of changed. So having the release in the way that they did is likely due to that, you know, Uh, like it was, I think it was largely a record label cash grab sort of thing. They probably had a bunch of stuff left over and that stuff didn't really fit into the theme and they just made it a two of two, you know, mm -hmm, like a part two, mm -hmm, this second side. I could see that. Yeah, so and then, like, that's just kind of interesting. It's like also it's cool too. We'll kind of talk about because the same is same is kind of true. Because um, Channel Orange came out around the same time, I think in 2012, um, on the Frank side of things. So it's just kind of cool. Like we talked a lot about Matt, like with Mac and J Cole, all of that was like coming out like mixtape. It's mixtapes on DatPiff, mm-hmm. right? That you download or LimeWire um, and stuff that you'd pirate. Yeah, yeah LimeWire stuff that you'd pirate, um, and then it immediately went to streaming. Right. So you never really had this, like, I don't know. I never felt this, like, neat, you know, lack of getting me, especially hip hop. But, like, here, this is like just you're like making mainstream pop music, RB pop, mm-hmm. you know? Especially at this point, I think it's a little more poppy. So it's like, you know, it's just kind of a different arena for like pirating music and that whole culture. So, you know, they and the record labels. You know, for someone like Justin Timberlake, they're probably going to crack down a lot more on that stuff at that point mm-hmm. in time. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of interesting to go back and look at. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, was what was the first song that just like actual singular song that you can remember hearing from Justin Timberlake? And if there's kind of a story that goes along with uh, that. Yeah, Cry Me a River. Um, it was just on the radio. I don't really remember too much. I just remember I was in a car. You know, I was, like, young, obviously, just <laughs> hearing that song on the yeah. radio. But uh, Z100 or something. N- actually, wait, 2003. Yeah, yeah, like, right, a- right around when I moved here, basically. And um, yeah. it- it's just kind of cool to see because, like, <laughs> you don't really have a lot of, I don't really have, like, very specific memories of my childhood, just, like, but, like, a lot of Sonic things like music like triggers just like a wave of nostalgia in my brain 
you know. But that's like my story for mm-hmm. JT. For sure, I don't remember the first song I heard. Probably "Sexy Back." Honestly, really? yeah, yeah. I mean, that was is, yeah. I can feel like I feel like I can remember my dad playing that song. Is that his most you popular know, song? It. it has to be right. "Sexy yeah. Back." Uh, let's look. There's no way it's anything else. Like as much as he makes great music, I mean, there's no fucking way. Um, let's. Uh, hold on. Let me just let me do Spotify. Spotify is better about showing how many streams. How many so. streams? Even on because streams. On fucking Apple on Apple Music can't stop the feeling from the Trolls movie is his top song, which is just hilarious. Oh jeez. But maybe is it possible, like from TikTok or some shit, that that would be his like most popular song? Everything's changed with TikTok, man. Yeah, I know. Whoa, dude, that's insane! Can't stop the feeling has the most streams. It has over a billion streams. One point. 1.3 billion. Sexy Back has literally less than half of that. I think we have to account for stuff. Mirrors has more streams than sec- Mirrors has more streams than Sexy Back. I'm just trying to think of how many like plays in general. Like you know, like if we were to include CD sales, like what's playing in the oh, club. Dude. Oh, I actually, know? I would, dude, I was in awe when I looked at this. I actually have to show you this, dude. Records like his record sales are insane, dude. Like o- over over the course of time. Here, I'm gonna read this to you now. Yeah. According to Sony Music, Justin Timberlake has sold over 32 million albums Sheesh. worldwide. For like for context, <coughs> J Cole had a lot. When we were talking about J Cole and Mac Miller, we were like, "Wow, J Cole has a lot more than Mac Miller." And J Cole had eight million. <laughs> Um, Justified has over 10 million record sales. Future Sex Love Sounds has over eight. 2020 Experience has over four and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's right in the ballpark, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of crazy. I think when Justin came onto the scene after breaking up with NSYNC and then dropping Justified, I think a lot of people were excited. Um, But I'm really surprised that Future Sex Love Sounds is not the most sold. Maybe that's just taste. I don't know. Or the time it came out, really. But, yeah, I just like that album more. You know what I mean? And maybe that's, like, that's going to be my soft little thing with JT. It's, like, I know I'm always going to be biased about that album specifically, you know? Yeah. That's fair. Um, Let's talk uh, Bump Scale. Where would you rate it? One to five. Just Justin Timberlake music overall. Just overall? I'm going to have to give it a strong, like, 4.1. Like, you know, I think... I, I'm, I'm at a 4. I'm, a, I'm around there. I think a 4.2. 4. 4.24. Okay, okay, okay. So, the, I think <laughs> the Future Sex Love Sounds literally can carry anybody's career. Dude. That album's so good. You could play that album out loud, blasting your car's speakers destroying your subwoofer and everything and nobody would bat an eye because it's quality music <laughs> you know what i mean i will never judge somebody that's just some quality mother i'll never judge music. anyone for listening to jt on a hot summer day you know like it's just pop. i was bumping it with the windows down mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. me too i went on a drive to take my cat to the veterinarian and i was listening to jt on the way there um it's a it's a definitely a 4.1 for me 
Yeah, I'm gonna go four point two four. I just because I want it to be my highest rated so far that we've done. Uh, I see. Because I was fucking grooving to this shit, man. I'm not gonna I lie. I was having a fun time. I found myself just, just yeah, just dan- dancing and enjoying myself. I just, I think that's like the biggest thing with Justin Timberlake's music is you really just enjoy yourself. Yeah, for sure. Like, and the other reason I think the 2020 experience is so nice, dude, is like, dude, if you like, if you're like it have a significant other that that like that album is so beautiful man you know like he wrote it he wrote a lot of it right right as he was getting married i think right after he got married and it's just like it's so like lovey-dovey in like every album kind of or not album uh, every track kind of has its own little um like simile or metaphor to to love like spaceship coop is comparing it all into space and Strawberry Bubblegum is talking about like it all to candy. Um, it's all love. Like the, the the theme doesn't change. It's all just love. Right? Tunnel vision, right? Through through a lens. You know, it's like it's push your love girl comparing it to the lens of drugs, mm-hmm. right? The junkie. So it's just like and like not, none of the like nothing too crazy, but it's just like it, it's cute, you know? Hey, it's fun. real quick, what's your favorite song on that album? I'm just curious. Tough, dude. I'm not gonna lie. That's actually really tough. Let me pull yeah. it up. Cause I know mine, like hands down. It's it's the which one's yours? Easiest choice: Blue Ocean Floor. Okay, I really enjoy Blue Ocean Floor. Dude, I really enjoy it. That is all I gotta say is if if Kanye were to reproduce that, that could go down as one of the greatest hits ever. Dude, Blue Ocean Floor is so it's so <laughs> sad. And it's quiet it and it's, it's cold, tough. but it's but it's like it's a little it's haunting. Yeah, haunting's a great is. word. But it's like it's very like grounding, you know what I mean? It's like very like I think JT had one of the most emotional moments kind of recording how low that was, right? Because he brought the world down. And I was like, it's kind of cool to see JT bring the world down a little bit, you know what I mean? Because he's such a smooth guy. It was a fun way to close the album yeah. for sure. If you're if you're ignoring the bonus tracks, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It was a um, my favorite track, though, and this is like I'm not gonna lie, dude. I I I, I hesitate to make this sort of comparison because you know how I feel about Frank right. Ocean. Right. So like, you know, um, but kind of like how uh, my favorite song with like on Blonde, for example, is like it's always just changing. That's like how this album was when I was younger. I'm not gonna lie. Uh-huh. This was one of my favorite albums. You know, it's always it was always kind of just changing like my favorite. But like I think overall, it's probably Strawberry Bubblegum. Strawberry Bubblegum is nice. Dude, yeah. Just something about the something about the the, the strings and everything. It's uh, it's just nice, you know. Yeah, definitely. And it kind of feels like you're like. It feels like he's like in a little parlor performing it for you, the way it's mixed, you know. I know. I don't know how else to describe it. And then having a crazy transition to Tunnel Vision, which is just like, you know what I mean? Like, God, JT can really take you Tunnel for Vision a ride. Tunnel Vision is an incredible, it's an incredible song. Yeah, I know. It's like, he can take you for a ride anywhere on this album. I, I understand why it was like a heavily rotated album in high school for you. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's good production, too. For sure. Yeah. But yeah. Um, let's do like a funner, like, what is like the your almost underrated forgotten JT track. Oh damn. Any album. Any album. Well like what's the deep what's the deep what's the deep cut that like if anyone's listening to this, they should actually like actually need, you need to go listen to this Justin Timberlake song with, with some headphones on kind of song. Oh dude. Yes. 
actually, this will probably go down as my favorite JT song of all time, too. Uh, but I don't... It's played on the radio, but I don't think people appreciate it enough. And it's Summer Love. Um, set the mood. I love that song, man. And I don't know why, like... I love JT's songs, but there's something about how that beat is produced and the swing of how JT kind of rides it, and you're like, this, this is so swaggy, you know? This is... It's almost... <clears throat> well, it almost has the same kind of, like, oomph that sexy back does. Right. You know, that, like... And then... The, kind of just, like, I don't know what the... I don't know what the drum is or synth, you know, like... Right. I mean, it's just a kick and a snare, but the, the way the synths come in, and you're just kind of, like... Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And it's like he's having these like runs, these cadences. It's like he's kind of rapping. He's like sing rapping in a sense a little bit. You know what I mean? Really got his swagger shirt on and everything. And I just think that like song instills confidence in anybody during the summer. No, I I one hundred percent agree. One of, that's one of my one of my more um, played songs mm-hmm. probably by him over over the course of time. My my deep cut is is off this album too. Losing my way, dude. Everyone mm-hmm. needs to listen to Losing My Way. It's Good a song. little bit sad, you know, but it's a uh, it's just it's it's very sonically pleasing. The production is really really nice. Like I don't know, just I think it's probably Timberland in the background, right? That, that like but up but da da da. Right, that's that, that's kind of his sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it just it works so nice, and it's like all throughout. I don't know. It definitely it's, it's almost a, like a, it's a song like, that layers. Know, the, There's a lot of layers. Yeah. You know, it kind of like uh on Vine and shit, like when people were sitting in the cafeteria and they do those little like banging on the table freestyles with their friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has that sort of vibe to it, the way it kinda like builds. Right. Which I really enjoy. Um but let's see, man, is there anything else that we need to talk about with JT? I think like only thing I can imagine that's left is like overall cultural. What it was like, what was the impact of Justin Timberlake? Um, just like, I don't want to say like his best musical days aren't behind him, but like, I don't know. His career is probably is over 20 years old. I think, you know, he's a legend already. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely so. someone that has, it's kind of just been like a true professional right, from a young age, whether he was acting all the way up to getting into a music career, a boy band, you know, and then this where he becomes influential. Industry plant. <laughs> yeah, definitely JT's an industry plant, but, like, I mean, nobody can deny it. Um, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. But what's really cool is that he was able to really enter such a, a, a black-dominated uh, side of music and embrace culturally, like, producers and artists like himself to, like, come together and break through, a, like, a genre slash race barrier. I think he's going to be one of those guys you think, oh, yeah, dude, like, JT was one of the big white guys out in this, like, heavy-influenced uh, <clears throat> black-dominated music indus- industry and in the, the sides of music. So, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't really even think about that part of it. Oh, you didn't? Because, like, I don't know, I guess, like, you think, I know, I, I just, I don't know, I don't, didn't give it much thought. Um, but I guess, like, you think, like, white, not that Justin Timberlake's a rapper, but you think, like, white rapper, I think everyone pictures, like, Eminem, right? Right. Yeah. But, like, it's cool. I guess, like, if you really do think about it, like, he is kind of one of those other guys, like, in 
that just um, lexicon, right? Like that whole world over the course of time. Like he had, like you have Timberland that he collaborated with over the course of time. You have like he had so many collaborations with Jay Z um, in his later career, right? With like suit, they did suit and tie. Um, he was on Magna Carta. Where was it? Uh, title track was he on Holy, Holy Grail. Grail? Oh wow, I listened to that he, song dude, a lot. It's a good song. <laughs> That's a good song. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of forgotten that Justin Timberlake is on Where Is the Love with the Black Eyed mm-hmm. Peas. Um, and just in terms of cultural impact, I, I think a lot of people don't know that he sang um, the McDonald's jingle. Oh, shit. I didn't even know that. Damn, yeah. fun fact. Justin Timberlake sang the McDonald's jingle. That's cool. <laughs> right? Genuinely. So, yeah, he's just kind of a... Someone's going to fact check me on that, like, because I, I just heard that a long time ago, and I've, I've it's, like, it's been, it's been spewing, spewing it to people. Since, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I've never checked. <laughs> Someone's gonna fact check me on it and be like, "Yeah, you're an idiot." Oh, yeah, it's fun though, right? Oh my god! Oh my god! Hilarious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like we've kind of said all there is to say about just Timberlake. Now it's like. The, all that's left to do is like the comparison mm-hmm. part. So let's, let's go on to Frank. Turn the page and move on to Frank Ocean. And let me just preface this for everyone again. Frank Ocean is my favorite artist of like any any music thing of all time. So this is uh, I'm a little biased. So I'm just gonna let Andy kind of introduce it, and then we we'll, we can go from there. So I'll just let, I'll let you start with like wherever you want to start, and then I'll jump in. Okay. With, with Frank. Okay. Well, for starters, so I, I do this. I don't know how Jason does this, but we, we both go through material. Um, however we do, at the end of the day, the rules are set. We don't listen to anything else, but how we consume the material is kind of up to us. And I just went chronologically. Um, I did the same. The experience of you, like pure euphoria of Nostalgia Ultra, like I swear to God, like shot me to another dimension. (laughs) I was genuinely surprised at how much I forgot I loved Frank Ocean. And this is what's crazy. This is what's crazy. This was a mixtape. This was an introduction to Frank and what an introduction it is, right? Whether he takes like samples like Strawberry Swing, right? And he kind of recreates like his own songs or he'll have like a banger like Novocaine, right? And he's kind of, he's kind of shown you the sides of how hip hop has influenced his life, um, you know, you, he talks about listening to old samples like through Songs for Women with like Marvin Gaye and the influences of what he likes, what he's trying to incorporate. It's just so healthy and wholesome for a mixtape. And like what a strong introduction to an artist. Um, right now, I don't see... Of the artists that we've done, I think Frank has the strongest debut album. Or debut, but mixtape. that's not even an album. I know a mixtape, like, but like I, I think you can argue that he has the. Then I think on the next level, you can argue he has the strongest debut album, baby. 
Oh, dude. With, uh, with Channel I just wanted to just say that, and then I'm going to let you go, because, like, dude, this is your favorite artist. You should be able to hog it a little bit, okay? <laughs> I just That's how I have to preface this going in, because I am much higher on Frank this week, and now particularly for the future going forward, uh, than I was probably in the last couple years. Uh, so this was a really, really healthy exercise for me, because I've learned to appreciate Frank again. That's good, yeah. man. That makes me happy. Yeah. Well, you know, if there's anything uh, that that the listening to Frank Ocean can teach you, it's uh, that that you know having years between waiting to between his work is pretty normal. Right. <laughs> um, and hey, knock on wood, like literally, like in the last week or so, there's like rumblings that new music could be on the way. From Frank. That's crazy. Just saying. Not trying to not trying to freak out or anything yet. Right. It's only been six fucking years. I know. Um, <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no, let's uh let's be serious here. Um let's we're we're gonna talk about Frank, like nostalgia ultra. I think you kind of did a great encapsulation of it. That's the entry to Frank. I'll leave it at that. Um but in regards to studio work. Right. Um, Channel Orange was his debut album, and it was accompanied um, with a letter on Tumblr that I think, you know, Frank is super talented, and I think he would have gone on to have you know a you know critical acclaim and you know commercial success without anything you know this attached to it. But there's no denying that releasing a letter at the time of your debut album, you know, about how the first love of your life was indeed a man, um, but talking about it in a very casual and comfortable way, um, a very vulnerable way, um, you know, it's just to kind of like read, to read part of this, uh, part of this letter, right? Let's just see this. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Four summers ago, I met somebody. I was 19 years old. He was too. We spent that summer and the summer after together, every day almost. And on the days we were together, time would slide. Time would glide. Most of the day, I'd see him and his smile. I'd hear his conversation and his silence until it was time to sleep. Sleep, I would often share with him. By the time I realized I was in love, it was malignant. It was hopeless. There was no escaping, no negotiating with the feeling, no choice. It was my first love. You know, that's just like, he has this like way, almost like, you know, in writing, like poetry, this is almost like, you know, poetry. And in music of conveying this vulnerability that you don't often see in human beings, especially men. Um, and there's no denying that talking about something like that in 20 th in 2012 um, definitely helped him kind of gain popularity. Um, but the music itself is also incredible, um, and he became kind of an icon for the LGBTQ community and kind of just the whole community of people that feel alone <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, he became an icon for those people. Um, 10 years ago. So that's like kind of, I think, a, an interesting way to, to frame Channel Orange. 
you know, it's it's an album that sounds at times like very poppy, very fun, but it's it has these moments of like like incredibly sad themes, like incredibly intense themes. Some songs, like Frank Ocean's one of those artists that I've listened, I've listened to all these songs probably like hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, I feel like I know every word to him, right? You know, it's just like one of those artists for me. But Channel Orange, like on this listen, like songs like um, Bad Religion really stuck out to me, talking about things like unrequited love, whether that's to a person or to a thing, like you can, that can be a drug, you know, that's, that's something that's never going to love you back. You know, addiction is a, a terrible thing. Um, that can be a person. You know, my dad, my dad kind of says something like, uh, you should never be addicted to anyone or anything. That's kind of like the, one of the themes of that mm-hmm. song. And like unrequited love. Um, and just, I don't know, things like that. Like if I'm, I don't even have the track listing pulled up. I'm just kind of going off the top. Um, but other things like, super rich kids, right, talking about what it's actually like, like that dichotomy um, of money, like what it's like to, to be rich and be poor um, and not understand the differences of each other's lives. Um, I just think, like, Frank Ocean is one of those artists, and he proved it, like, right away. He's one of those artists that is able to talk about very macro things you know, that society struggles with and he boils it down to these small little stories and these small little moments that you can kind of peel open and share. Mm-hmm. And you might not like understand it even at first, right? But it feels familiar. Um, and that's what I think so beautiful about his music. Okay, I don't know. This is kind of been going off on a tangent. I don't know if there's anything you want to say. But. Dude, I mean, <laughs> you're right on the spot with Frank. I think him taking a step forward... Um, it's like a like a really powerful statement, right, for a man to be vulnerable, right? We like see all like successful men, celebrities, artists, everything. And you know, usually these men are like confident and it's like kind of like I'm not saying Frank isn't confident, but he definitely came out vulnerable talking about his sexuality, talking about especially on Channel Orange, right? This whole album um uses a lot of symbolism of like different aspects of life. And I think Channel Orange, in a sense, is a lot like flipping through a TV, like, channel. Like, you get to see, like, different sides of, like, just aspects of life. And uh, one thing, I forgot what track she's on. You actually even have that motif, like, the actual auditory motif throughout the whole album. Right. Um, When it starts, you hear a TV static on, and you hear it on all the skits, too. Right, and it just starts you on this journey of just... I think Frank's whole point when he makes music, other than it being pleasing to the ear, is to make you really just, like, think a little bit from both perspectives. I think Frank on this album is kind of just wandering a little bit. You know, his journey in life, where he kind of is, he's kind of moving around, exploring, trying to really understand himself... And he just tells stories of what he sees around him. Um, I mean, the best example, uh, at least for me, because it's my favorite song on the album now that I've listened to this a bunch this week, is Pyramids. 
I love Pyramids, man. That might be one of the be- like seriously one of the best songs of the last decade. It is. I'm not even like trying to no, be hyperbolic. No, 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 you're not. No, I mean, you know what sucks is every time we say we're not trying to be hyperbolic, but we both agree with each other at, in the moment. But it's like, dude, Pyramids. Is so I don't even good. know, dude. Like, I don't think I am, dude. Like, seriously, like, I'm not. Not even just me. Like, I looked at a bunch of lists that have both of these albums in, like, the top 100 albums of the last decade. That's a lot of music, you know? Yeah, I mean... And Blonde, a lot of times, in the top 10. God damn, just Pyramids. God, I've... I've, That song is so good. And... And gosh, does he... Does he not try to sound like anyone else here? You know what I mean? Like, there there isn't anybody that can mimic Frank Ocean. Like, let's be clear with this. It's whatever's no. going on in his head. And what's crazy is Frank at the time, like, just remember perform- remember him performing at the Grammys. It was, like, just crazy, the hype, everything. But he never once compromised what he wanted to do with his career and where his sound was going. And that's what made Frank unique is the vulnerability in his voice. Like you said, whether it's the topics or how he sings, uh, it's, it, it was just iconic for the time. And I think that's what solidified him as like a great right there. I think this whole like, you know, three year window for the first two projects is just insane stuff. Definitely. And I think you kind of, you hit like a perfect kind of segue into the the next phase kind of of, of Frank Ocean's music at being en- endless and blonde, right? When you said that, you know, if there's anything that's true of Frank Ocean as an artist, it's that he's not willing to compromise his art, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and he had a whole dispute with Def Jam. Yep, yep. Um, around his albums, right, and the release of his albums, which led to... Um, the whole thing with Endless and Blonde and that whole situation um, was basically like he had to release a certain number of albums to fulfill his contract and then he would be, um, you know, free of his, he would be, you know, he's obligated his duties, he's free of the contract. Um, and that last album should have been Blonde, right? You know, the label would probably want it to be Blonde, but what he did is, you know, a week before, I think maybe a few days before, he releases Endless on Apple Music exclusively as a visual album. And that is an album, you know, that defines as an album and per his contract. And he fucked Def Jam. In the <laughs> ass. And got out of his contract. In the ass. And then turned around, turned around a couple of days later and released Blonde as an independent artist. And it's estimated that he made over a million dollars in the first week alone from that move. Just from Blonde. Yeah. Because that also released on Apple Music exclusively for the first two weeks of its release, so you know I think it's just cool. Like you said, like he's not—he was just not—he's not willing to compromise like any of the art. You know, he did that. He's gonna do things in the way that he thinks that they should be released. I feel like it's that's like more akin to like a painter or you know a different kind of artist. You know, I think in music a lot of the time, a lot of the discussion falls on like oh what was the influence or like how many people were in the room how many producers were on this right who did this who up with it like you know who featured on that right it's you know it's kind of like a i don't know how you would describe that right it's like a very like who you know and like how you did this with who you know kind of business right 
networking focus, I guess would kind of be the way to say that. Right. But he kind of said, fuck all that and said, nah, like, this is how it's, this is what I've made. And I think like a lot of the reason for that is like why I really respect Frank Ocean and kind of have like therapeutic elements when I listen to his music is you can tell like a lot of the times, like you said, that he's trying to make you think about things with his music. But I think a lot of the times he makes music as therapy to himself. You know, it's, it's, it's very pure, you know, like I don't think he ever lost that joy of just making music. Like a lot of the stuff, like as we flip the page into endless and especially blonde, like, I'll just talk. We don't need to spend too much time on it unless we can kind of hit it intermittently. But moving to Blonde, like, the whole theme of it is that when bad things happen to you or, you know, people fuck <clears throat> you or you fall out of love or whatever it is, you know, it's okay. Literally. Like, it's on you to be okay and move on. I, that's, like, you know, how I take a lot of it, you know. And... A lot of that too, like I'm gonna refer to another letter is this is in the in the Boys Don't Cry magazine, which is kinda like the accompaniment to the release of Blonde. Um, and he said in this one, two years ago I found an image of a kid with her hands covering her face, a seatbelt reached across her torso, riding up her neck, and a mop of blonde hair stayed swept for a moment behind her ears. Her eyes seemed clear and calm but not blank. The road behind her seemed the same. I put myself in her seat. And I played it all out in my head. The claustrophobia hits as the seatbelt tightens, preventing me from even leaning forward in my seat. The pressing on internal organs. I lean back and forward to release it, then backwards and forwards again. There it is. I got free. So, like, that's a pretty clear metaphor for what I was just talking about with the label, with the financial freedom. <clears throat> now, when we talk about the music, there'll be even more examples of just, like, freedom, right? And then at the end of that letter... Right. Um, he talks about, you know, there's a lot more stuff, just kind of stories, kind of, you know, about his obsessions with cars and what he's been up to. And it's just like kind of talking about his adventures since Blonde mm -hmm. came out, right? Or since he made it, basically. And it's like just talking crazy shit, right? What rich people do, kind of shit. Traveling to exotic places, fancy cars, and all this stuff, right? But it's freedom, you know, it's just kind of a person doing what he wants to do. Uh, and then at the end it goes, but in my rear view mirror, it's getting small enough to convince myself, uh, or sorry, let me go back. Um, it's basically a reimagined part of my boyhood, boys do cry, but I don't think I shed a tear for a good chunk of my teenage years. It's surprisingly my favorite part of my life so far. Surprising to me because the current phase is what I was asking the cosmos for when I was a kid. Maybe it'd be... Maybe that part had its rough stretches too, but in my rearview mirror, it's getting small enough to convince myself it was all good. And really, though, it's still all good. This is Boys Don't Cry, I'm Blonde, first times worldwide. It's kind of the introduction. So I think that little bit, like, when things are in your rearview mirror, if you're able to put them there, that's the big part of it, it'll be all good. You're able to be look back at everything and know it was good for you if you're secure with yourself, mm -hmm. right? So I just think, like, that's... I don't know. There's there's just a lot of a lot of power um, throughout throughout a lot of his work. If you kind of put the I guess put the time in to kind of seek it and see what he's trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. But no, it's fucking fucking crazy, man. I don't know. I I have such an emotional attachment to this like just person that I've never met, right? And music, like 
you know how I feel about like Kobe is like my idol. Like Frank Ocean is like the only person that even like is in that stratosphere to me. In terms of, like people I don't I've never met that I idolize, you know. I think what's crazy, right, is like I think going back to my earlier point that we talked about earlier, right? Like we said that Frank doesn't compromise. And what that's elevated him to now in the music industry is probably this probably a top three to top five single most coveted artists people want to work with. And here's the thing, like in the world in the world. And Frank chooses sparingly. I think what we've also learned in value, right, with that um this is the boys don't cry magazine letter that you were just talking about how you said if you can put mm-hmm. everything in your rearview mirror like it's all good like in a sense um mm-hmm. i think with blonde once he had dropped it everything moving forward because he left everything in the rearview mirror he values his time more than anything now I think, and he's continued to live that up to this point, releasing little singles and stuff. But I think he's really just, like, living life now again and exploring because one thing about Frank is, like, he doesn't really talk about the same thing in the same way ever in his music. Everything's, like, every single track's kind of unique to its own situation, like, similar ideas and concepts but they're all individually different and i think why i'm anticipating his album so much is because we're gonna get something that we've never gotten before you know we're talking levels of like Mm -hmm. kendrick you know these greats where we anticipate like what is what are they taking music to the next level to and i think frank ocean is definitely a candidate for like being up there as one of the front runners of starting a, a huge music movement that nobody can replicate. <clears throat> yeah. No, like he, him, like he and like Miguel kind of like defined what like modern R&B is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like for this, that generation, I don't want to be like that hyperbolic, right? Like obviously there's people before that, right. but like it's, you know, like that, those are the two sounds, right. That have kind of, persisted in popular R&B, you know? Right. In the last 10, 15 years. Right. It's crazy because R&B is just such a diverse genre, but Frank in itself embodies, like, a his own type of genre, too. I, I He's a very diverse sound. Yeah, I, I don't want to, like, generalize Frank in every sense. When we talk about Frank, he's an artist. He is a musician. He's, a, like, all things. He's a poet, you know? He's a poet. He, he's, an en- he's an enigma. Yeah, dude. for sure, because he's... Frank Ocean is an, is an enigma. He's like, a one-man show. Like, you know what I mean? And, like, sometimes sometimes you won't be able to get him cause just because he's not going to drop anything that we won't want to listen to again. And if it's true that he's dropping stuff for sure. that you said this year, I don't know. Well, it's rumored It's rumored <laughs> that he's going to do... Well, not rumored. He's, like, confirmed that he's doing Coachella next year, too, you know? So, like, the thought is, like, he would have new material for that. Um, whether it gets released before that performance, who knows? Right. But, you know, we'll see. 
But okay, let's kind of go back because I've I don't know I had to I had to get off on a couple tangents of thoughts that I've been brewing this week for listening to all the music and reading stuff. But what was kind of like your what are your favorite songs? Um, we talked a little bit about Channel Orange already. But like favorite songs off Blonde, favorite moments. Um, if you have anything anything that stood out to you about the production, um, anywhere you want to take it on on that note. Um. Yeah, for, like, Nostalgia Ultra, for example, just, like, listening to some of his old work, I think, like, Songs for Women, for example, like, really hits home for me. I think, like, that's the song that I can, like, really, like, relate to, right? I, I just really like the verse when he's like, hey, if, like, you could sing like me, tell me, like, you wouldn't sing to the girls, you know? But it's, like, this, like, back and oh, forth. That's, that's hilarious. You know, yeah. it's, like, that back and forth thing, right, where he's walking through three different perspectives of how people feel about him being, you know, a cute black singer, right? A young black singer and his relationship with the girls around him. It's cool. It's cute. Um, I guess for Channel Orange... Man, I like Pyramids. I like Pilot Jones. I yeah. mean, Jesus Christ, this whole album is just... Pilot Jones was my first favorite Frank Ocean song. Did you know that? Mm-mm, no. I, I can remember I can remember walking like walking to and from Bethany Village listening to Channel Orange and like at times like putting only, like where it would loop only Pilot Jones for my walk and shit like that. I did. It's such a, such clean transition. Honestly, Channel Orange for me, it's kind of hard for me to choose like anything, but I will say Pyramids is my favorite song on that album. Um, what about Blonde? I think Blonde is the one I'm most curious about. Like what are your, because this is one where like, it just kind of, I think it really depends just how you're feeling. Because Blonde is one of those albums, like, if we actually want to talk about, like, from a macro sense, like, it, it doesn't say it, but it has two parts, you know? Like, after the beat switch in Nights, which comes, like, it's the actual perfect midway point in the runtime of the album, the, it all sonically changes, you know? And it goes to a much, like, darker, all the, <laughs> even the synths are, like, much more, like, haunting. Right. So... Like what are you? Which I guess which half of the album do you like more, and which songs stand out? I'm kind of curious. Um, I like the first half more. I think visually, I mean, I'm a second half guy. You're a second half guy. Okay. Now here's the thing. Yeah. Like one thing about Frank Ocean, especially this Blonde album, dude. So you know, just for the listeners out there, I am a huge like animation buff. Like I love anime, like Japanese, like inspired, like cartoons, um, but. One thing about Frank, if you know, there's this really, really popular video. It's probably got a couple million plays, and it's like um, a little compilation of Blonde. And it's just these beautiful animated scenes um, that kind of just really, like, take you away. And that's maybe that's why I have such a um, love for the first half of the album is, like, visually my imagination kind of runs wild in that first part of the album, right? Like, pink and white. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, like, in a garden with flowers and it's, like, blooming and I'm just, like, having a grand old time, but then... Well, dude, that's that's literally what it's sonically supposed to do. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Like, you can... Because you can also... You can trace with the skits where, where the person in the album, if you want to say it's not Frank or whatever, you can just kind of, like, whatever it is, the person in the album, the character the main character, is young. So be yourself, he's being told by a parent. You can assume he's a child. Right. Right. Or they're a child. And good guy, it's a 
a relationship in college, right? Or at least like a teenage age relationship. Facebook story, you can tell it's like 20-something young leans doing the, the voice, mm-hmm. right? And you can just hear that they're much... It's like literally like this, the whole... You, it's like, it's trying to tell you about maturation, you know? Mm-hmm. And the whole first few songs are light. They like, we'll never be those kids again. Like that's literally like, that, that line's not on accident, you know? Like it, the, I think you're supposed to feel innocence and fun and like you want to be outside in summer vacation on the first half of the album. You know, yeah. like tell me it doesn't give you like those that feeling. It's like it's like 11 p.m. It's like 75 80 degrees, you know, you're driving down the car yep. like and I don't know. I think the second half is a lot more like just intrinsic thought. Like you're just in your thought a little bit more. I think in the first half I can let go a lot. I think Frank's melodies wise, like even if I'm not paying attention to what he's saying can carry me through just like whatever I need to go through. Um, but when I do listen to I the second that. half of the album, like, I mean, even just listening to Facebook stories, sometimes I have to skip it. Like for me, just because it's like, you know, I love that song. Yeah. And it's a good song, but it's like, Every every Frank Ocean song has like some lesson there that you're supposed to interpret. You know what I mean? And I just think Facebook story is like so real because of how much like social media has changed everything. Um and like how someone like Frank is trying to express that in a way. Right? And I just think that's like so cool that oh, as much as we glorify this man, he still gets average problems sometimes you know no it's it, yeah it's masterfully done yeah, too, yeah. you know in facebook story i mean i would love and a I think visual the reason, for all of this okay i just want to say i want a visual for all Dude. of this you know well boys don't cry access some of it. i know you mean animated mm. or like or recorded, something something but um yeah but boys don't cry access a lot of the visual honestly mm-hmm. um the magazine um but uh, I think the, the reason I like the second half too is because it just like it has this vibe to me of like adolescence and like I don't know or like college age right and like driving around with your buddies or like significant other or whatever it is like, like driving somewhere like having deep conversations like smoking a little bit of weed just like sitting out somewhere like being outside like you're saying saying like nighttime like summer night summer nights. And, like, it has this, like, air of just, like, we're going to talk about some shit and we're going to, like, we're not ever going to forget this conversation, you know? Like, like me and you, dude, like, me and you have had a lot of those conversations, you know? Where it's just, like, you just kind of hit this, like, zone and you just kind of can't stop talking or, like, you know, whatever it is, you know, just talk about some heavy shit. It just, like, yeah, I don't know, just... It feels important. Like that moment just feels mm-hmm. important. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think that the 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 second half hits a lot of those those feelings, um, and encapsulates it all with "Future Free," right? Which, for a lot of the times, I feel like is my favorite song on this mm-hmm. on this album, and at times my favorite Frank Ocean song. Period. period. Um, just because, it, dude, like the last part where he's talking to like about like how his mom doesn't have to worry about anything right how 
he went from like like Tyler slept on my sofa. Yeah, we go back that far, you know. Like, dude, just like shit like that just hits. It hits me, dude. I don't know. It just like when and like it's just stupid. It's a stupid come up story, right? But just like the way he tells it with with the the sample of running around in the background and just like like there's certain lines that do just like it like it's visceral. It makes you like throws you somewhere in your own life, you know. Like when he says like Tyler slept on the sofa, yeah, like dude, it reminds me of like when um, when I would go over to your place, like I'd work at the pizza place mm-hmm. uh, in the summer, and every single night I'd do, I'd go home, I'd say what's up, hang out with my family for a few minutes, and I'd come kick it with you yep. every single night. Yeah, and like I'd sleep on your couch like half the night, you know, like, and that wasn't like it wasn't like I didn't have another place to go. Like it was just like that's what I wanted to be doing, but you know, it's like this visceral memory, you know. Of like being young and like free, and like it doesn't matter, dude. We'll just we we'll just hang out and like you'll make music. You're just gonna make music until like the middle of the night, and we'll play video games and like do all this dumb shit and like smoke weed or whatever, you know. Like so, it's just like it has. It's just like it wraps up all these like warm, fuzzy memories in a bow, you know. Yeah, I think that's a good way to yeah, put dude, it. Yeah, dude, definitely. Just I think with Blonde too, I would hope. Uh, other people are like this too, but Blonde was something that I couldn't keep down. Like, you know, I I listened to Blonde all the time once it came out. So I think the cool thing about Blonde too is just the longevity of that project, how I still listen to it, you know what I mean? It's still one of my top listened to albums of all time. And I think there's a lot more memories that, like, I can have access to. Like, as you said, there's nostalgia with teen years, but, like, I see plenty of, like, parts in my life where I think when I go back to Blonde, it's like, oh, I can, can really relate to this right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right, man. Is it time to, to compare? Oh, geez. I guess we have to. I don't know if I can add anything more. I've, I've, I've bared my soul about Frank Ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? If I'm going to be... Also, um, one thing I do have to say real quick to yeah. interrupt you. Before on the Frank Ocean thought, if anyone like really likes Frank Ocean and they're like, they want to listen to more of his music and like they get into it, also look up um, the Dissect podcast on Spotify. Um, I believe it's season three. He does on Frank Ocean and Mostly Blonde. It's, like, it's, in, it's incredible. Like, if, you just like, if you like digging into music and the lyrics and instruments and all that stuff, it's... It's really fun. But, yeah, go on with what you were saying. Uh, yeah, no, no. I'm definitely going to give that pot a listen, um, the one that you sent it's me. It's cool. I'm, he has, he's done Kanye, Kendrick stuff, Mac, it's, like, Beyonce. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited because that's going to be great material to listen to. Um, when comparing these artists, I guess I'll just go out and say it. Um, I felt like we didn't go over JT's last project just because I don't think we felt neither one of us felt any, any significance there. Um, no, it wasn't, uh, I'm not going to say it wasn't like it was like bad, but it just, um, doesn't really have a lot of like replay factor to me, even though I enjoy it. And I did listen to it again. Um, the one song that stands out to me that I really like is midnight summer jam, midnight summer jam. It's that good. It's just fun. It's just fun. It's one of the songs you kind of want to dance in your living room. Yeah. But. And I, 
I don't know, like... I, I, I feel you with what you're saying. Though, though. like, I mean, impact-wise, like, I, I felt nothing when listening to that. I did not listen to that project when it dropped. I, 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 com- I completely agree, dude. Like, there's some fun songs, but they're not, like, impactful or anything. I, I felt like everything that JT had worked up to, right? Like, you get Justified, you get Future Sex Love Sounds, where he's, like, young, up-and-coming, and then he goes into the 2020, where he's, like, established, where he, like, you know, I felt like he was really grounded in himself and he was confident, right? You know, mat- there's a lot of maturation Definitely. in that project, right? And you're like, okay, so this is where we would hope there's, like, an exponential level of growth. You haven't dropped a project in a very long time. And then in 2018, I felt like it was a cop-out for, like like, watered-down JT, if that makes sense. It, and it wasn't even that, dude. I honestly just don't... Like, I, I, like, I, can, I can see where you're coming from with that. Like, I don't want to, like, discount your opinion. Right. But it's, like... I also just think, like, the music just kind of isn't for us. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, like... It's not... For me, me and you aren't big, like... We do listen to some of it, but, like, me and you aren't, like, country folk, like, super into that genre. And this was, like, he kind of explored more of his, like, Tennessee roots, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, it's super folky, country vibe. Like, Chris Stapleton's on a song, like, which is a good song, by the way. Um, but, no, nah, it's just, like, I don't know, like, sonically, you know, th- th- I don't know if it's, like, for us or it's not It's not R&B. Yeah, really, no, I can agree. Know? It's definitely not for us. And, you know, putting it in that perspective, I guess it's just kind of, like, all right, well, this maybe this is the period where I can see, like, I kind of stop relating to JT in a sense, right? Like if that's a great if way this, to put this it. is just like our little like hiccup, you know, cause we, JT is never like going to retire. I don't think, I think he'll always be in the music industry somewhere. Um, but we haven't really heard any news about him making music at all. Um, he's clearly not really in the limelight at all at this point. And so, They'll probably drop a classic with Timbaland in 2025 something or something. insane. And I, I really do hope he just goes <laughs> back to Timbaland and lets him, like, co-produce it, you know? Because, like, that's where JT's at his best um, in that environment, you know, with a producer he can truly trust um, with everything that he has. But because JT is the second half of the 2020 and then ending on that project, I think the only thing that JT might have over Frank is bumpability. Dude, you you literally took the words right out of my mouth. That was like the one point that I came here to make. I <laughs> know. Was Frank, Frank is my favorite artist of all time. I said that disclaimer at the beginning, so I think you kind of knew where I was going to land all on right. this one. And that's literally all JT has is he makes a lot more music that I like. And not just like music I want to dance to, because like there's a lot of artists that make music that's fun to dance to, but genuinely good music that is like nice to get a little vibe going yeah. to, you know, yeah. like if you had like if you had like a like a dinner party or something and all you played was Justin Timberlake, that's dude, dude that's, that's a, a fun, fun little, party. little party, for sure, you know, <clears throat> but. But Frank, like, Frank, this was, like, the easiest, in terms of, like, the bracket, this was probably going to be, like, one of my easiest ones. Mm-hmm. Not that Frank's just going to win every round. I'm not going to say that, but, for my my opinion. But, like, it, it was clearly Frank, like, when you, when you make, when you look at your point that you made about kind of having, like, a dropped album, if you want to look at that, like, with Man in the Woods, 
Yeah, like one that was like eh. Like Frank doesn't have an eh album ever. Like he doesn't have a to me like this is just me. He doesn't have an eh song to me. Um, but yeah, man. Like you talk about the impact. Um, like he's made just in the last ten years. Like with with kind of the queer community, right? The 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 trans community, all of that, right? He's kind of an icon for that group of people. And like I said at the beginning, like. I kind of feel like he's an icon for just like people that feel mm-hmm. alone for whatever mm-hmm. reason, you know? Um, so that's kind of like, yeah, he's, he's easily got Yeah, and vote. Frank's, just to clarify, Frank has my vote too. I think his cultural impact, um, what he represents, what he stands for, and him being kind of an outlier in the hip-hop, R&B, soul community, you know, and, like, I'm going to be honest, like, Frank is an alien and is outright even with his peers. He stands alone in a different level of creativity. Um, and I think one thing is, like, even though Frank has not done it all alone, I don't think he necessarily has a... I don't want to say it's a crutch, but there isn't something that he truly leans towards. There's not someone specifically he leans towards where I feel like JT personally makes his best music alongside with somebody, and that's Timbaland. I think Frank can win in yeah. that category as well. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I didn't think about it from that angle, mm-hmm. too. Because, like, obviously every artist has kind of, like, this, like, group of people that they trust and probably work with throughout their yep. career, but it's always... Like evolving and changing every every track mm-hmm. even. So no, that's a really good yeah. point. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I don't want to like just just talk longer to to talk. I feel like I've said like most of most of what I can say here. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so we got Frank as the winner. This was a fun we one. Got dude. Frank is the winner. Yeah, Frank Let's is the winner. Go. So I mean, like to recap again, playing it by ear series first winner of uh, the first pairing. Uh, J. Cole versus Mac was J. Cole. And the winner of the second pairing here today uh, between Frank Ocean and Justin Timberlake is Frank yes. Ocean. So let's uh, let's start looking ahead now, right? Um, next week, again, we're recording this on Wednesday here. We, we're trying to record these like in the middle of the week and get them out in like, the mm-hmm. middle of the week. Tuesdays, Wednesdays sort of deal. But um looks like we have, oh, this is fun. A little bit of uh, of pop R and B. Adele versus Bieber. Oh, it's this week. Oh, oh yeah. it's this week. <laughs> well, we committed to this. We committed um, to this, so I am. We did. We said we were going to take yeah, it seriously. I know. So that's why it's just like, all right, all right, I'm I'm in it. You it, better be, because you know what your you know what your reward is for doing oh, this one. The what you get the following week. Drake versus Kendrick. Oh, I'm going to have a very fun <laughs> next, next week. Yeah. In two weeks, I'm going to have a very good week. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Also, dude, I I'm not going to lie, dude. I will say just, I kind of forgot to mention this. I kind of, when we started recording, just from the way we were texting about Justin Timberlake, I kind of thought you were going to come in here and say, make the argument for JT. No. Frank, and I was going to no. have to stand no, my no, ground. No, 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 no. Okay, like, I'll, I'll be very rational here. <laughs> like, you know, 
At the end of the yeah. day, seriously, JT's got some amazing radio hits. Like, dude, that man can make a radio hit anytime he wants to with Timbaland. Anytime. The rest of his career. But I think Frank's just a better artist. Yeah. No, hey, mm. well said. I, I do I will say like I know Drake is your favorite artist of all time kind of like a similar way that I mean Drake is, mine, is up right? there it it kind of dude it really switches between Kanye and Drake for me they're yeah, like right up there fair. with each other but like dude Drake Drake versus Kendrick is actually my that might actually be our toughest matchup I will say I think Adele and Bieber is gonna be a more interesting conversation than you think because Adele has the two best selling albums of the whole last decade. That's literally her number one and number two. So, I like that. I don't want to start getting ahead of ourselves and like debating it already, but like, dude, that has to be taken into account, right? Liter- like, literally, dude, what we're doing, this is insane. Adele, 20, like 21, that album is number one in terms of the 2010s. Number two is 25 by her. Number five ranked album of the 2010s is Purpose by Justin Bieber. So like we're literally we're hitting like the most the best selling albums and artists of the last decade. Yeah, I think that makes it hard because it's like it's crazy. It's like we have to take into account like accolades in some form. Like I don't want to say accolades define anything, but sometimes accolades can show the relevance of your music in a period of time. I think Adele is a really hard conversation to have because it's not like I go out of my ways to listen to Adele. But I, I can't argue her greatness. It, that blew my mind. Yeah. It, she, she, yeah, she has one of the best voices that I've ever, ever. heard. You know, ever. it's just like, that's, that's yeah. God-given, right? Yeah. yeah. So it'll be a yeah, fun one, dude. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. So the, the Playing It By Ear series continues. Um Basketball NBA Summer League continues. We might have a, a couple little tidbits about that as, as it closes here in the next week or so. And as free agency should kind of be coming to a close here. We'll see what happens with Kevin Durant, with DeAndre Ayton, um, and a host of other players and teams. And then I think what's fun, dude, from a basketball angle, we, we got to start hitting some of these gambling futures, over-unders on team wins. Ooh, um, okay. Picking awards and picking... Um, Championship finals oh, matchup. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's, I got to all be on record, man. We're going to see mm-hmm. if we were right mm-hmm. for over the course I'm of the down. season. We never had the chance to really yes. do this. Yes, yes, yes. But thanks again, uh, everyone, everyone for listening here to this episode of 808s and Fast Breaks and the Playing It By Ear series. Join us uh, sometime in the middle of the week next week for... Adele versus Justin Bieber as we continue. Um, And yeah, thanks again. Have a good night, guys.